With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. How are you guys doing? Today's episode is sponsored by Manscaped. Now we're going to kick this thing off. It's, uh, it's going to be a tense week here inside of, well, I guess America as a whole, but w- the world. American stock markets are probably going to be a little bit shaky over the next, I'm going to say the next three, three, three years, three years, yeah. But no, we had another bank fail and everything else has been collapsing. It's, it's all good. Yeah, it's pretty normal, you know, that's what, we're, that's what we're used to right now. But I'm going to tell you guys right now, uh, we have the U.S. and South Koreans. That's us. We're, we're kind of tied together, kind of like, like peanut butter and jelly. Uh, we began our exercise of Freedom Shield. Yes, I don't know why I said exercise weird there, but it is the exercise of Freedom Shield. It's going to be going on the Korean Peninsula. It's an 11-day military exercise that will test the combined forces' ability to respond to any kind of threat from North Korea. Yes, this includes nuclear threats. I don't. I, I look at this as kind of goofy. I know how powerful we are as a country. North Korea apparently is just too bored. It doesn't really understand what they want to do with their life. So they're like, ah, we're going to shoot some stuff into the water and, and, and try to provoke everybody. They expect that North Korea is actually going to launch a series of provo- uh, provocations during this exercise. But I'm telling you guys right now, the U.S. and South Korean militaries are apparently preparing for like these contingencies, which to me is they prepare for these contingencies just in case it actually does happen. And they know it's going to happen. So they're like, okay, guys, just wait. Just hang out. We're going we're gonna to flip the switch here in a second. These provocations are going to be including maybe ballistic missile launches from the sea or into the Sea of Japan and or the Pacific Ocean. Or they're going to be attempting their seventh nuclear weapons test, which we know it's going to happen. We've been, we've been waiting on this thing for seven months, or excuse me, several months now. And this is going to be their seventh nuclear test. Don't really know what they're going to achieve with this. Um, they're not really... I, I don't really, I, I, I don't know. I, I look at North Korea and I, I just think, do you not understand how weak you are in comparison to us? Like, I, I'm so baffled how you can't fathom this. North Korea did actually launch a, uh, they, they launched actually two strategic cruise missiles from a sub just yesterday morning. They flew 900 miles and they did it in two hours. So it's kind of fast. It's as fast as an airplane, I guess. 450 miles. That's really fast. It's pretty quick. So the war inside of Ukraine is also kind of stalled just a tad bit. It's grinding halt is a better way to put it in the last few days. And I think um, that's one of the reasons why you guys haven't really seen me on the channel. I've been paying attention to it, of course, just kind of watching and waiting and seeing what's going on. And it, it, I know it's springtime's happening over there or it's springtime's happening everywhere. Pretty much not. I say it everywhere in the world, not everywhere in the world. Excuse me. Inside of our hemisphere, I guess you would say spring is coming down in Australia. It's completely different. Um, I'm going to say right now the ice and snow is melting, which is made for some really nasty, super nasty conditions. I think over the next few weeks, we're going to start seeing like a period where it's possible, like an uptick in fighting actually happening. The weather is now sitting in the upper 40s and lower 50s during the day, and it's going to hit freezing and just above it during the nighttime, which is like actually really nice for them. They love that. I would assume they do. They're used to hanging out with <laughs> negative. I don't know why they, I could not live there. Anyway, officials have actually ordered the evacuation of Kupiansk and Kharkiv, or per- certain portions of Kharkiv, after an uptick attacks have actually started happening. The Russians have started shelling these areas around Kharkiv once again, and Kupiansk as of late, and they've kept a fairly large military presence on the border, which has forced the Ukrainians to keep a significant amount of troops near this border, instead of pushing them down to Bakhmut. Now, Zelensky has stated 
He just stated this, as a matter of fact, that 1,100 Russian soldiers have been KA in the past seven days. Seven, seven days, 1,100, along with another 1,500 Russians being wounded. So just in the last 24 hours, the Russians have lost more than 500 soldiers in a certain area of Bakhmut alone. They're calling, they're calling the zone, it's called a, the killing zone right now. So the, the Wagner boss, uh, he's been in some sort of like tiff or feud or whatever you want to call it with the, the military leaders of the Kremlin. Now he's decided that... Um, this would be a good time to do it, I guess. This is during the most bloodiest battles we've ever seen inside of inside of uh, Ukraine, and right now, the Kremlin is try- is is actually utilizing this as a, as a way to decimate the Wagner group. It's so weird. This is this is kind of crazy. If you guys think about it, because these men, uh, the Wagner forces, they've been inside of this Papazna, they've been through Lizchans, they've been through uh, Bakhmut area this entire time. If you guys think about it, it's kind of crazy for them to to just throw these men and into the fire, which they don't really care about. It's becoming one of the bloodiest battles on earth, bloodiest areas on earth. That's what, exactly what this is. They're trying to expend as many of the wider troops as they, as they possibly can to weaken the group's leader. That to me, it doesn't it doesn't really make too much sense because you, you I don't know. It's so weird. I am so glad that I'm not a part of that. That whole situation. I don't know. I just ugh, ugh. And um, I talk about this war a bit more than and. You know what, before, I want to actually show, share with some numbers for you guys. Listen to these numbers real quick, all right? I mean, let me just share these numbers. So average losses of soldiers per day. Right now, the Russians are, during this war, at the fifth highest of all time. Average losses per day. They still hold number one spot, by the way. World War II, USSR. They lost 6,000 soldiers killed a day. A day. 6,000 a day. World War II again, Germany was number two on this list, 2,415. And then Soviet finish war, USSR once again takes the takes a cake there for 1,442 a day. World War I, Germany, 1,277. And then you have Russia, 2023, this last month, 795 a day. 795 a day on average right now. I did the math on this, just so everybody's aware. And then it goes Vietnam War, uh, 440, North Korea and Vietnam War. Actually, North Korea and the Korean War, 337, Japanese Russia-Japanese war, wow, find your words. Russia-Japanese war, the Russo-Japanese war, the Russian Empire lost 115, and then it kind of goes down and down and down. But I'm going to tell you guys right now, pretty, pretty nuts. Um, 795 a day, and I I did the math, I'm going to do it again though, because I I already forgot. So 800 divided by 24, you're looking at, yeah, 33, 33 guys an hour, 33 men an hour. So you're looking at every single... So you're losing what? One every two minutes. So by the time I finish this video, you're going to have like 15-ish or so Russians be killed. By the time I finish editing this video, or excuse me, filming this this episode for you guys, you guys are done listening to it. Literally, 15 men are going to die. Just on the Russian side of things. If you combine Ukrainian, we just type that. I mean, you're literally looking at a man a minute. A man a man a minute right now. It's pretty nuts when you think about it like that. That's crazy. It's a lot of, like, just by me... Talking about this sentence, just one sentence, somebody's died over there. That done and done again. You know what I mean? I'll talk about this war more than just about anybody here in America. I really, let's be honest, I really do. Most American, most Americans right now don't even remember this war is even really going on. It will start making headlines once again if we like start kicking back up and the Russians start actually taking some ground. Which to me is kind of crazy because right now it's the time where we probably should be talking about because the most deaths we've ever seen entire in, in, in this war ever, like in anybody's lifetime right now, just happening. Uh, I, I believe personally Russia could possibly run out of soldiers, or I guess on the logical side of me probably is wanting to think that, but because it's just so high, you know, but 
My brain, I mean, you look at the, you kind of look at the, the top, what is it? Top, they're in the top four right now. So top, it pretty much goes Russia, Germany, Russia, Germany, Russia. That's pretty much it. They're, they're fine with losing men. They don't really care. They don't, they don't care. They have such a large population. Who really knows? They're just going to keep throwing men into the fire. They really will. Literally throwing them into the fire. All right, so Manscaped now has Beard Products. He's going even further with a brand new Weed Whacker 2.0 sign. Go ahead. Tell the world. Tell everybody about it. Tell, tell the I'm telling you right now, Russia is not going to be able to get these things. So if you're living in Russia, it kind of sucks for you. You're not going to be able to get one of these. But the new Weed Whacker 2.0, hey, time for an upgrade for you guys. Go check them out right now. Go to manscaped.com and use code SPEAK to get 20% off plus free shipping. Free shipping. So this right here is the Beard Hedger Pro Kit. And this is the Weed Whacker 2.0, which I absolutely love this thing right now. Which I'm going I'm to give you guys a quick demonstration. Look at this thing. Oh, yeah. I can't believe I'm doing this on camera. So weird. Doesn't pull your hair, thank God, because when it pulls your hair, it makes your eyes water inside your nose. All men that have nose hair, even women, I guess, you guys know it hurts when it pulls your hair. You're not going to pull it. I love it. But this right here, the Beard Edger Pro Kit, is the ultimate package that makes it easier for you guys to craft your signature look. I'm going to tell you guys one of my favorite things about this thing. I'm going to grab it right here. This is a waterproof cordless trimmer. It has a rotary wheel. This thing right here, 20 different lengths right here. Yes. All in one guard. So no more messy drawers and extra stuff like that and add-ons. This thing right here. Has a beard shampoo, conditioner, beard oil, beard balm. You guys can moisturize, style, and shimmer your new beard. This is what you need right here. Check this thing out. You guys get free gifts. Three of them. I held up four fingers, but I meant three. Beard brush, comb, and scissors. This thing right here I just showed you guys. The brand new Weed Whacker 2.0 offers an improved blade and skin-safe technology with no tugging guarantee. I promise you, no tugging. Anyway, now that your face is looking great, you guys must try Manscaped's Performance Package 4.0, the body grooming experience. Good news, the Performance Package 4.0 now comes with the Weed Whacker 2.0. Yes, this thing right here. An all-new, below-the-waist grooming products from Manscaped is known for. Your significant other will be delighted. So right now, get 20% off plus free shipping with our code SPEAK at Manscaped.com. That is 20% off with free shipping at Manscaped.com. And use my promo code right now, SPEAK, S-P-E-A-K, all caps. Go to Manscaped.com, use promo code SPEAK to save 20% off. All the right tools for the job are on Manscaped. I'm telling you guys, go check them out. Get these things right here. Makes your life easy. Go from your nose to your ear all in one little roundabout way. В Сочи, конечно, люди подходят на улицах, ну и родственники, и просто незнакомые люди. И у всех один вопрос. А что будет дальше? Когда это все остановится? На чем это все остановится? В чем цели? Для того, чтобы определить цели, нужно сначала определиться с дефинициями. Давайте мы с ними в конце концов определимся. Кто-то называет происходящее СВО, кто-то называет война. Я большой разницы не вижу. Давайте мы поймем, с кем мы воюем. Мы не воюем ни с какой Украиной. Украину мы, как таковую, победили в первые два, три, сколько там дней. А потом началась война с НАТО, и не только с НАТО, потому что мы воюем со странами и не входящими в НАТО. Так вот, сейчас идет война с НАТО на территории Украины. Now just imagine for one minute for me, guys, just, just for one second, if you guys didn't think they could be this delusional, they are. They legitimately thought that they won the war inside of Ukraine within two or three days. I'm old enough to remember when the Russians weren't able to actually secure any large city in the northern portion of this country and were pushed back to the outer edges of the country, back into Russia, that is. I'm also old enough to remember that the fact that they actually got their teeth kicked in down inside of Kherson. You guys remember that? So bad they were forced to retreat 
over that river and hang out. They've been sitting idle ever since. They've had a little bit of success on the eastern side of the country. As we do know, down inside of Mariupol pretty much is it and over in the Bakhmut region. Other than that, it's been pretty much stagnant. If this was a, a win currently for the Russians, and I would hate to see what a loss looks like. Сейчас это весь так называемый западный мир. И ну таких по-настоящему союзников в том смысле, в котором oh, we're just gonna stop right there. Just just what in the actual f is she trying to portray here? The United States. They came into the war just a little bit later than everybody else. We're trying to stay out of it, do our own thing. We didn't want we're not, we're not, we're a part of it, okay? We don't we don't we get. But what happened when we entered it? Should we also remind the Russians once we Entered the war, and once you started helping them, like, what did they get? They got 400,000 Jeeps and trucks, 14,000 airplanes, 8,000 tractors, 13,000 tanks, 1.3, or excuse me, 1.5 million blankets, 15 million pairs of boots, 107,000 tons of cotton, 2.7 million tons of petrol products, 4. million tons of food, totaling $11.3 billion back then, which is $180 billion in today's currency. Okay, yeah, we kind of helped you, Russia. Oh my God, think about that for a second. $180 billion we gave to you. Where the stuff, of course, you had to pay back once you just finished, like, what, 10-something years ago, 11 years ago, 13, whatever it was? Это было во время Второй мировой. У нас нет. У нас есть благожелательные наблюдающие, и их много. Китай, Индия, арабский мир, та же Латинская Америка. Ну а союзники-то наши кто? Союзники в плане помочь ленд-лизам, Открыть второй фронт. Есть у нас такие союзники? Нету. Им страшно. Они хотели бы нам помочь, но не могут, потому что страшненько. И вот теперь о целях. Вы только вдумайтесь, что будет, когда мы в этой войне победим. Я намеренно говорю не если, а говорю когда. Потому что я не хочу даже думать о если. С Божьей помощью. Так вот, когда мы в этой войне победим, мы победим не Украину, Мы не Артемовск возьмем, да, Угледар или что-то еще. Вы вдумайтесь, мы победим весь западный мир, который сейчас отправляет туда всю свою мощь. И сам рассказывает о том, что у них уже истощены запасы. Много чего. Уже. Год всего длится это все, да? Now the truth is a very scary thing. Okay, it's very scary for the, the Russians to say this out loud. Now claiming that you will defeat the West by beating the Ukrainian military just makes you look weak because everyone knows that this isn't even remotely close to being true. Just imagine, just imagine this. How can they explain this to their people if they actually had to go over the war with the West? Like, this would not pan out very well. I mean, just not some proxy war whether they're, they're fighting some smaller country that's using equipment from the 90s. 
Нет никаких сомнений, что когда Украина истощит свои человеческие ресурсы, так же, как они молниеносно помогли ресурсами, собственно, армейскими, в смысле боеприпасов, техники и прочее, как только мы это все уничтожили за несколько дней, также они отправят туда и человеческие ресурсы. Конечно, они найдут нам тысячи, я вас умоляю, десятки, сотни тысяч, за миллионы можно найти при желании, при наличии денег, а денежки-то у них есть, людей, которые поедут туда наемниками, наемниками, да, вот эти орды. И вот когда мы всю эту орду победим, мы просто подтвердим свое прекрасное, так греющее мне душу звание и знание величайшей страны мира. Как в незабедном сериале на комедийных телеканалах говорилось, а все остальные страны нам завидуют. Лично для меня таких подтверждений не нужно, никогда не было, и сейчас нет, и не будет. Я и так это знаю. Но мне очень хочется, чтобы ты увидел весь мир. Because there's only so much of that. There really is. And the West is going to get tired at some point of funding the war. The best thing Putin could do right now, the best thing he can do, is continue on with this, this war for the next year or so. If you look through what's coming up, we have the elections coming up next year. It can be seen as a bad thing that they're trying to spend money constantly on this thing. The, the Americans are not going to want to do this forever. They're just not going to. You know, we have enough problems here in America And the right is going to touch on that dramatically going into, like, it's going to be the number one talking point going into this next election cycle, which is next year. That brings up the idea that maybe the Democrats here in America will ramp up the, the, the weapons that are going to be sent over to, to Ukraine to beat the Russians as we get closer to next year's erection, uh, erection, my God, election. So the war ends victoriously so they can actually use this as a talking point. That's two ways to look at it. And I do believe... Either way, the war ending inside of Ukraine clearly is going to be a good thing. And hopefully, I would have thought by now we would just said, all right, screw it, send everything we got over there. I just want to get this thing over with. That's just me. That's me, though. You know what I mean? Now we're going to look at some quick mapping. I know inside the northern region, Kupiansk right here has been shelled. So the Russians have started shelling this. I know they've picked up the attacks, and they're now actually pushing from east to west right now in this northern portion of the country. So we're starting to see more and more activity. The Russians have also picked up more ground outside of Torsk, just on the outer edges of Kremlin. They've also pitched them down here in the southern portion of, their, of this region as well. So they are starting to advance in certain areas. There's been little to no movement in the last two months all through here. Literally zero. None. All through here as well. So Sivitov itself is pretty much held off pretty dramatically. As you guys can see right here at one point, the oops, sorry, the Ukrainians have and were able to actually push all the way up to here, but that's pretty much it. They have not moved. That's why I kind of like keeping these little red pockets so you guys could see what ground has been taken back and, and, and so on and so forth. This kind of area through here, though, has pretty much been a jigsaw puzzle. We've seen the Russians move out and been kicked back in. This is pretty much the same area they've actually made it to about a month ago before getting all the way pushed back to where they started just north of Dubrova, which Dubrova is right here. So we aren't seeing a, uh, a ton of massive advancements, but we are seeing some movement for the first time in a very long time in the northern portion of the region, especially with them trying to... Remember, Kupiansk was a massive logistical hub for the Russians for like six months until they lost everything on this side. So this right here is kind of... Kind of a big deal. It really is kind of a big deal. Now, pushing south, we're going to be sitting here once again inside of Bakhmut, which the Russians have attempted, and they are currently trying to push more up this main road, this main route, which is going to be kind of difficult. It's not going to be super easy, 
but they have gained a little bit of more ground just south of it and also right here on the outer edges of Bakhmut. But on the inside portion of Bakhmut, they have not moved very much on the northern side. They have gained some ground here in the southern side. Those two chunks you guys see, they are closing the gap here. I'm not entirely sure thus far why the Ukrainians are really wanting to hold this. I, I did read an entire piece that is talking about why uh, they're claiming that the, the holding Bakhmut is very crucial to the spring offensive by the Ukrainians. I'm not entirely sure. I, I, I'm not tracking. I, I don't, I'm not privy to all the information, as I've always said to you guys, but I'm not really tracking why this one city is pivotal for the entire spring offensive. I'm not really entire, entirely sure I understand that. But right now they're saying that is. But as you guys can see, look at all these little tiny chunks all the way throughout this country. You guys see all our, all this, this area of the country. You can see the areas that have been taken by the Russians that they've advanced. Some of them have been very tiny. Some have been very large chunks. More large chunks are taken out here in the more open area. But as they got closer and closer and closer to the city, you've just got a bunch of small chunks taken over days and, and weeks. I mean, this is this right here, this is a culmination of like well over a month just in this one area right here. That's well over a month worth of, of ground taken. That's how long it's taken to move through here. So it could take them another month to get through the city. But what, what should be a little bit more worrisome is they have been able to move this pocket of men up closer to this one route that's only leading out of here, which is under fire on the daily. So this this route that's leading out of there is, is absolutely destroyed. Oh, excuse me, not even that route. I took the wrong one. This one right here. That one right there. That one's pretty much under fire at all times. The one that I originally had touched, this one right there, that one has been under fire for, for weeks and weeks and weeks. I know they've, had, they've started to make new roads through fields, which is not really penning out too well because it's very mucky and muddy and disgusting and just not really good for tracked vehicles, wheeled vehicles of that either. Not really any vehicles just trying to push through there. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what the plan is here for the, the Ukrainians in Bakhmut, but they, they claim this is very important for the spring offensive, which... Maybe it is. Maybe maybe it is. Maybe I don't know what I'm talking about. Because maybe I don't. Maybe I don't know what I'm talking about. I really don't. I'm a little confused. I am a little confused on why this would be so important to hold. Because if it's really important to hold, then you would think that they would have to do a counteroffensive in some portion of this 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 area to actually take back some ground. But do they have the men to do it? I don't think the Russians had the men to actually push farther than this. As of right now, I really don't. I don't know. This is so weird. This is this has been one of the weirdest portions or time of this war we've we've actually dealt with so far since I've started covering it over a year ago. And I, I'm so heavily invested in this thing. I cannot wait till it's over with, though. I'm not going to lie to you guys. I really, just for the people's sake that are on the ground, but I don't think it's I don't think it's really even close to being over with. So, thanks for hanging out with me, guys. Uh, I do love you guys. I will catch you guys on another episode, possibly tomorrow. I'm out. <laughs>